0: Welcome to the hash it out. Thank you for joining us today. Please check out our last episode on suicide among college students if you haven't already. I'm Meetha, a social justice scholar. It's fall career week peak of recruitment season. In this episode, we will be discussing bias in hiring for women across industries, especially in STEM. Examples of gender bias, overcoming these challenges, and campus efforts to educate female students to tackle this issue in the future. Today, I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Bilin. How are you doing, Bilin?
1: I'm doing great, Mita. Thank you for asking. How about yourself? I'm doing fine as
0: well. Without any further doubt, let's dive into this topic. So let's first try to understand the bias. What is bias? Bias is a prejudice in a favor of or against one thing, person or group compared with another, usually in a way that's considered to be unfair. Biases may be held by an individual, group or institution and can have negative or positive consequences. History has proven that women have indignities in the male-dominated world of science and are overlooked for their remarkable work. Bias in hiring starts with several components, including gender bias, stereotypes, or salary negotiation. Whether it's the classic robbery of Rosalind Franklin's recognition throughout a career, or Lisa Mittens was a part of the discovery of nuclear fission was never, never took part in the Nobel Prize for Chemistry in 1944, which was exclusively given to her fellow scientist Hahn, who was credited for having discovered nuclear fission. Rosalind Franklin's work, or her entire career, is a resemblance of what is something called as Matilda effect, which means it's a practice of ascribing women's accomplishments to men.
1: I've heard of that. I went to a discussion on the same topic a few years ago and they brought up how an historian, Margaret Rosader, began using the term to show that women in science were not being recognized. The Matilda effect being named after suffragist Matilda Gage in her essay, Woman as an Inventor.
0: Yeah. In 1953, American scientist James Watson and his British partner, Francis Crick published the first paper to correctly describe the structure of DNA. Franklin, however, never explicitly shared her data with Watson and Crick. Instead, her co-worker Morris Wilkins did so without her permission. Watson and Crick won the Nobel Prize for DNA discovery, whereas Franklin was never even awarded it after her death. Over centuries, female researchers have had to work as volunteer faculty members, seen credit for significant discoveries they have made, assigned to male colleagues, and been written out of textbooks. You might think that this is an issue pertaining centuries ago or pertaining 50 years ago, but this is this issue is still very significant. Like, it's 2021, and believe it or not, we still have a long way to go.
1: This is definitely still a recurring issue. An example would be in the healthcare industry. Before the 1900s, women would only be hired as nurses and never as doctors. It was believed that since doctors were in a higher position, those jobs would only be given to men. It was very unusual because even if the women were more knowledgeable and skilled, they were still unable to work in that position because of their gender, which is pretty crazy, honestly, and it was very degrading because they were treated as if they knew nothing, so they couldn't really have an input on anything. However, over the years, it has improved because in the 1900s, the number of female physicians increased, even in the 21st century. According to the Association of American Medical Colleges, it stated that one of the steadiest movements that have been on the rise in women as a percentage of the physician workforce it rose from 28.3% in 2007 to 36.3 last year. And speaking to many women in the healthcare field, I've always heard that one of the reasons they are so driven to succeed is because they want to get rid of that stigma that women do not have any knowledge or that they are not capable of doing what men can do. This not only goes for the healthcare field but for STEM as a whole.
0: It's very interesting. You know, one of the studies at UBC, the researchers first measured how strongly the hiring committee members associated science with men. The study showed that not only men, but also women show a strong association between science and male as compared to science and female. This shows that when there are not many role models, then sort of such the explicit stereotype persists and are continuously reinforced. in. It was the most interesting to see the correlation between the explicit beliefs and the actual hiring outcomes. The researchers found that the committees that are more aware of these barriers that women face were more likely and keen to overcome those explicit associations, that science is predominantly a male domain when selecting candidates for the job. On the other hand, the committees that had strong belief that science is not sexist and no gender bias exists were likely to promote and recruit women. In fact, Sherlyn Sandberg, Facebook CFO, suggested that the best way to deal with gender bias in workplace is to negotiate well. Communal negotiation. When women negotiate for themselves, they're seen as bossy and aggressive. And that has a significant negative consequences down the line in their careers.
1: Yeah, according to The Pew, the center analysis finds that the typical STEM worker continues to earn substantially more than the typical worker. But as with other workers, there are sizable pay gaps between women and men in STEM jobs as well as across racial and ethnic groups.
0: Women also tend to underestimate the professional value. And we have been socialized to avoid assertiveness as an essential quality for a successful negotiation. But then Sandberg goes on further steps, suggesting a practical course of action for navigating through those cho- choppy waters. Like boil down to two words, which is negotiating communally.
1: Definitely. And I'm not sure if you knew this because I definitely didn't know this. Um, In 2018, women earned 85% of the bachelor's degrees in health-related fields, but just 22% in engineering and 19% in computer science. Women make up a quarter of or fewer of workers in computing and engineering and are overrepresented in health-related jobs. And I definitely see this around IUPUI because many students that I know, they're in engineering and computing, but they're like, their classes, they're not full of women they're only men and they feel very uncomfortable so they don't know who to talk to they don't know who go to Um, and it's very hard for them and I know I'm pretty sure you're in computing science so I'm sure that you've seen that around
0: yeah, I mean I can definitely relate to that because being a computer science major, there are so many classes that I take where like I'm sometimes I'm the only girl in the class or sometimes there's another girl with me. And that's it. It's just male dominated. Even we have like a compute like woman in computer science club, but the population is so so small. Like the fact that there's advocacy, which is great, but the lack of women representation in classes, not that gender was ever like a big deal for me, but it wasn't until that I started seeing oh there aren't people like me in the class you know like like whether it's even women or other racial identities I think like it's in engineering in math classes or in like upper class like computer science classes mm-hmm. the sort of the lack or that issue is very significantly pr- present where you can visibly just walk in the class and like figure out okay we don't have many women in computer science, you know. So yeah, yeah the, it
1: used, I, mm-hmm. sorry. It used to be a problem that I've seen in um, in health classes and whatnot, but not anymore. I feel like more women are coming out, and they really don't care what other people are saying, and they'll just force themselves into that environment. And if they can get to the doctor position, they will. If they need to get to a higher leading position, they will. And same with. Um, just them as a whole and they're just trying to get better and you know like i said earlier fight the stigma do better and like show that they can do what people say that they can't do if that makes sense
0: it's very interesting that like we're talking like talking about stereotypes like something compared to like back home in India there's a stereotype where women go for like medical or medically oriented professional fields mm-hmm. whereas men go for engineering or math oriented professional fields and it's it's like a you know like a balance so every time I remember my grandmother had this like oh it's it's a daughter so there will be like a doctor
1: mm-hmm. if it's a
0: you know if it's a son then that's going to be an engineer right. so it's, it's the kind of stereotypes that and these stereotypes are not just evolved you know in later during school or in professional sort of like when people start go or whether these hiring committees, they don't establish that. These stereotypes are in like established at a very early young age. And it's not just with hiring, but it starts with basic things. Like for me, it was, oh, classical dancing is for women. I cannot go and play football, you know, like Mm -hmm. my brother has to play football or there are these certain hobbies and activities and men are like men are typically they do it Mm -hmm. and women are not seen doing it. So I think at a very early age, I think we are told in a very like like a subconscious that oh this is the hobby that women should be doing and this is what a man should be doing and yeah. that's where it develops into the professional fields and the work fields so I think that that's a very sort of interesting point that you brought up like like additionally something that I sort of wanted to touch base upon was that it is found that only one in four female graduates from IUPUI are negotiating their salary after graduation. So on average, women make 10% less than their male colleagues, you know, and this is not okay. I think negotiation is such a powerful tool for women and I think it's important to sort of talk about the campus efforts to advocate and educate women on these types of issues. Uh, Women mentorship and advocacy is crucial on campus and it's so powerful for women to see that sort of they are not alone. You know, like this is sort of a one on one connection is just so important. I think more of that we do it, the deeper connections will be within the community. The office for women at IUPUI has advancing women peer mentoring program I have been part of this program as a sophomore so for this program uh, you sort of sign up to be a mentee or a mentor and they match you up with another mentor of your same professional interests and it's sort of it's a one on one you meet with them on a base of like your preferences I met with my mentors monthly and I learned she was sort of a medical librarian and I learned a lot about research and how a literature search is conducted so I think like having that one-on-one interaction and us, like women promoting each other, you know, like taking ourselves sort of, like I said, making deeper connections and helping us build professionally. Uh, Something else is Society for Women Engineers. It's an amazing group. It's also a very large organization uh, that supports women in engineering through professional development, advocacy, and globalization. Another thing, another organization that sticks to me very significantly is Women for Change. It sort of works directly with Indiana legislatures to advocate for women's health, economic stability, fair voting practices, and more. I know last year I attended a very successful Women for Change leadership conference. So they had all the sort of faculty as well as IUPR students talking about their research, their projects and their civic engagement efforts. So I think it's a very great initiative and we have really these amazing clubs that are advised by female professors on campus to sort of help us advance. Personally, I am a resident assistant for Women in Science House, which is a STEM RBLC. So it consists, it's a scholarship-based RBLC. And throughout the year, we sort of plan and assess uh, STEM events where we discuss issues like bias in hiring. We invite faculty over to talk about their experience so women can engage one-on-one more with the faculty and the professors and sort of network. So I think these are some of the very crucial resources on campus that all the female students or female identifying students can relate to and hopefully use
1: yeah honestly I really relate to that and I appreciate it because there's a lot of students that uh, they don't really know what to do if they're in this position and it's like even in the beginning of school every time someone had an introduction they were like you know talk about yourself say your major and everything everyone would be like all the females would be like oh I'm in nursing and then the guys would be like I'm in computing science and engineering and then there'd be one girl where she'd be like oh I'm in mechanical I'm in engineering and something like that and then everyone would just look at her and be like oh you can do that and like yeah I can like I don't see a problem with it. And then it's just interesting because everyone just looks at her and be like, oh, she doesn't know what she's doing. She just, she's just in that class just to be in that class. But in reality, she's actually working hard and she's doing what she needs to do. And she's probably the best student in the class above the men. And it's just very, you know, I feel like that is needed. These groups are needed for those uh, students because it pushes them. There are some people there, they don't have these resources to go to. So they end up, not doing what they can do if that makes sense like they they fall down and they just can't get back up because everyone is knocking them down
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, as long as there is a support and the fact that, hey, you're not alone, you have other people, even if you're, let's say, like you're the only girl in sort of the CS class or or mechanical engineering class, you have mentorship, you have a professor, you have people in the same field as you who can help you out and who can help you succeed and fight those barriers, you know. And Mm -hmm. it's also very crucial to be aware of these things and like the fact that these resources even exist or how to use them. Mm -hmm. so i think you brought up very interesting point and that leads us to our
1: well thank you so much that's this week's episode of the hash it out podcast don't forget to check out our other episodes i hope you enjoy listening see you next time thank you